Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Best Old Podcast episode 109. Today, we are joined by a very special guest. I believe 19th round selection by the Boston Red Sox in this year's draft. I want to say outfielder, but you've kind of played everywhere from what I've seen from my research. So (laughs) I'll say utility player, Stanley Tucker. Stanley, what's going on, my man? Oh, it's going well, man. Glad to be here. Glad to be on the show. Dude, it's it's so good to have you. We got a few questions. Let Pesky Pole Nation and Red Sox Nation as a whole get to know you. This is one of the things I love doing on my channel. Get prospects in here. Let them know. Kind of the more personable side of you. So you'll see I'll be asking quite a few questions that are about baseball and quite a few that are not about baseball. And just more about mm-hmm. your personality in general so they can get to know you. So uh, without further ado, let's start it off with a very simple question. Who is your favorite player and team growing up? I know you're from Texas, so I'm going to guess either the Rangers or the Astros. Um, Actually, when I first started liking baseball, my favorite player was Bryce Harper. I like the Nationals. I love watching Bryce Harper. And as I got older, I started just uh, keeping, keeping more attention with baseball, learning more about it. And it, it quickly switched to Mookie Betts. And, and now mm-hmm. I can say Mookie Betts is my favorite player. I kind of model my game after him. Uh, I, I try to uh, – He we're very similar players, and I try to I try to model everything around him. So I can't say he's he's a, my favorite player right now. Dude, that's – Mookie – well, let me ask this. Mookie in a Red Sox uniform or Mookie in a Dodgers uniform? Mookie in a Red Sox uniform, of course. I, I love okay. Mookie, in a, but the year he's having right now is is pretty crazy. Even though it's in a in a Dodger blue uniform, you can't look past the year he's having right now. Dude, I've had multiple conversations with people on mm-hmm. on this podcast of just like, was the Mookie trade good? And they're like, you look at what Mookie's doing over there, and then you come back, you look at what Verdugo's doing. No disrespect to Verdugo, he's still putting up decent, good numbers. No doubt, no doubt. But that's Mookie Betts, one of the top three players in baseball, if we include no the versatility of Shohei Otani and still have Mike Trout up there. Top top three baseball player that we traded. So, but I will, and Red Sox Nation, no matter how long he spends in a Dodgers uniform, he'll always be a Red Sox to us. You know. <laughs> All right. uh, next, at what age did you decide baseball was going to be your career? So what age did you really start to take like baseball seriously and really train for this? Yeah, so I always played baseball growing up, um, but I played all three sports, baseball, basketball, football. Um, mm-hmm. And then as I as I got older, in middle school, it was still the three, but then I got to high school and it was mostly football and baseball. And actually, football was uh, my first love. I really loved football. My family is in the football sport heavy. And um, I was always around football. And then I had my uncle. My uncle played 10 years in the NFL. And that was around the time where I was growing up and in high school. So I was always around him. I was working around, working out with him and other uh, professional athletes on the NFL side. So football was really a, a dream for me. But um, I got older, got around my sophomore, junior year of high school, and I started having success in baseball. And I still dedicated a lot of time to baseball in, in the summers and kind of just had a conversation with my parents. And uh, we decided that baseball was uh, – 
the best route for me. And uh, I still ha- I still love baseball. And kind of from that on, then on, that decision I made, I, I kind of stuck with it and ran with it. And um, it's, it's worked out so far. So I would say around sophomore, junior year of high school, I chose baseball. So around around that time is when um, did like you start getting recruited by places or because from the research that I've done and correct me if I'm wrong, because I saw two different things on two different websites. First, I saw that you originally were at Wharton Junior College, then transferred to New Mexico Junior College, then ended up at Texas A&M. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Okay. yes, to, to an extent, yes. To an extent. Okay. Can, can you elaborate on that? Yes. <laughs> so the journey for me at the beginning, I committed to New Mexico Junior College out of high school. And I attended New Mexico Junior College first, but I only uh, attended the fall there my first year. But uh, COVID, that was the year of COVID. COVID ended my senior year oh, yeah. of high school. And then it came in and it was still affecting New Mexico heavy. Um, New Mexico canceled the spring season right when we uh, left for the fall. And so when I went back home, kind of the decision was either go have a part-time college online in New Mexico and sit out a year or try to transfer to a different program and try to just work my way in and, and have an opportunity to play the first year. And that's when I transferred to Wharton to play the spring season. And then I transferred okay. back to New Mexico after the that season. Mm-hmm. Okay, that that makes sense, and I I completely forget because this is this is the first time I'm actually interviewing someone that's younger than myself because I'm 24. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm <laughs> like, okay, COVID is around like high school for these guys, not while they're still yeah. professional, you know. Yeah, yeah. So I I can understand that, and I saw from your um from some of your stats, you were killing, it, especially at um, New Mexico, where I think you had like a four four oh seven batting average, if I remember that correctly off the top of my head. Yes. Which first yeah. of all is nuts. Um and what was that recruiting process like or how did you end up at Texas AM? What was that kind of story like? Yeah, so after my first year at Wharton, I had a pretty successful year that year. And um that's when I really truly just started getting on the map with a lot of the bigger power five schools and Texas A&M was one school who had, who had always had eyes on me with the older uh, staff with Justin Seeley. And uh, we we came until they had a coach and change. Um, and Nolan Kane was now the recruiting coordinator, who's still the recruiting coordinator at Texas A&M. And um, he had heard about me, he had, saw, had a chance to see me play a couple of times. And, um, you know, we went into that second year going into the fall. That's when I had my first conversation with uh, Texas A&M. And it was always a dream of mine to play in the SEC and, and get an opportunity to play at an, in, a, in an SEC program. So when that came around, I was pretty excited for it. And, um, you know, they had the opportunity to watch me a little bit in the fall um, at the Texas-New Mexico All-Star Game. And uh, after that, you know, I just kind of made my decision to to pursue a, to go to Texas A&M. Oh, nice. So I got um, one more kind of college question to ask you. And I should have mentioned this before we hit the record button, but this is probably the least professional podcast you'll ever be on. So don't <laughs> don't be afraid to be like, unprof- I don't give a shit. I honestly couldn't care. Um, yep, so yep. My, my last college question I got for you is outside of baseball, what was your favorite school to attend out of the three? 
And what was your favorite memory, college memory outside of baseball? College. Well, of course, I would say my favorites, um, my my favorite to attend was Texas A and M out of the three. Of course, just being that it was a Division One university, but that takes nothing away from junior college. I mean, the memories that I made at junior college at New Mexico and Wharton with the, the guys there. I mean, that's it's a total different environment. I mean, in junior college in a town like Hobbs, New Mexico, all you got is your mm-hmm. brothers, all you got is your teammates, and and the memories I made there was 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 our memories that that stick with me forever man i mean you go to a dorm room and you have your entire team in the same dorm room on the same floor i mean in junior college you make a lot of memories i can't say Mm -hmm. that you make a lot of memories and you make a lot of connections with those guys i mean i've made connections with all my teammates that i'll have for the rest of my life you know so uh but going to texas a&m it was a total different it was a total change, you know. I think I want to say they said seventy thousand students on campus at A and M, uh, and of course you have your your places like Northgate, and um, you have your places like you know go to football games and a couple little um, athlete get-togethers and things like that. But I mean, the the memories made at a place like that is 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 pretty. Real. I wouldn't say there's one memory that just sticks out at Texas A&M because it was always uh, it was always a good time no matter if it was a football game or just going to a teammate's house and and just kicking it for the night you know it was it it, it was really fun just getting around with my teammates and uh yeah i mean it the whole the whole experience the whole Texas A&M experience was was amazing for me that's awesome man i i was assuming you were going to say a&M just because the big the big atmosphere and all that but you know yeah. there's something about a small town and like you were saying it's something having... about Juco mm-hmm. it's something I mean, it's something the... about Juco man it's special yes no I mean the college that I graduated from in total in the school we had about 1200 students that was it a small town of Franklin Massachusetts absolutely nothing in that town but the school you got to find a way to pass the mm-hmm. time with your buddies you know you make do and those are some of my favorite favorite memories so after just one year at AM, where i believe you only played like 20 something games or something mm-hmm. like that you decided to enter the draft uh just so for the audience who is still getting to know you it, at AM, you batted around 273 and a 407 mm-hmm. on base percentage which is huge for a big school like that what was the decision like to forego your senior year and head into the draft at just 21 years old yeah, so my my goal, my plan, I wanted to to get drafted my junior year, uh, and I knew the opportunity still presented itself after that year, and it was kind of nerve wracking being that I only played twenty twenty games or twenty two games at Texas A and M, but you know I really just at that moment you just got to put your your trust in God, you got to put your trust in in where wherever the where the chips lie, and um, um, I still had. Um, opportunities and places to go if the draft did not work out but mm-hmm. uh the goal was to get drafted and the goal was i wanted to play professional baseball i wanted to go and uh, like i said i put my trust in god man and i just i i, I took that opportunity and um it, it worked out mm-hmm. oh first of all you already know all right good book Gotta oh listen yeah to it. oh yeah trust it. always Believe. always always um Secondly, I, I 
don't know if this is correct. I could be wrong, but isn't it if you go into the draft or you um, you say you want to be drafted and you don't get drafted, you can't go mm-hmm. back to college. Is that right? No, that's not right. That's actually so football okay. is different than baseball. So football, I know when, when I had conversations with my uncle, once you declare mm-hmm. for the draft in football and you sign with an agency, I don't believe you can go back and play college based uh, okay. football. But baseball is different. So I was draft eligible. If you go to a junior college, you're you're technically still draft eligible. So I was draft eligible all three years of college, my first year, second year, and third year. But if I would have went to Texas A&M my freshman year of college, I wouldn't have been draft eligible until my junior year. Okay, that makes sense. And, mm-hmm. and now that now that I'm thinking about it, yeah, I did get my sports mixed up because I was just thinking about Andrew Benatendi. He ended right. up getting drafted, I think, by the Reds and then went back to school, then got drafted by the Red Sox. So, yeah. I got my right. sports mixed up, but speaking of that, talk to me about draft night. What was the process like for you and how did those three days eventually go for you? Did you get drafted around where you thought you'd be drafted? Do you think mm-hmm. you were slept on a little bit? Talk to me about that. Uh, man, draft, the whole draft day, the whole draft experience was just, it was nerve wracking. Uh, I, I went into it and, 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 you know, just talking to people and, um, uh, working with people like my, my advisor at the time. And um, we, we knew it was a possibility, um, but we were kind of shooting for that day three, being that, mm-hmm. you know, I only uh, played 20 games. And, and like I said, man, I just, I watched day one, I watched day two, and then day three came and I was like, okay, today is the day. I had a feeling I was, okay, today is the day. We get down, you know, you get down to rounds. 16 or 15 is like okay still haven't heard anything so now i'm trying to do things to kind of get my mind off of of the draft and i remember taking a trip to my uncle's house and i'm working out there and i'm hitting in the cage but i still have the the draft going and i'm like okay Mm -hmm. round 16 comes 17 comes still hear nothing and i'm like oh man it's getting closer and then you get around the, the the round 18 and that's when my advisor called and we're working through things. And I saw that, okay, there's a possibility that could happen. And round 19 comes around and it happened. And uh, I just couldn't do nothing but be thankful, man. I couldn't, I couldn't be doing, do nothing. Like you said, thank God, because it was all in his hands. I put it all in his hands and I just had to sit and I had to wait. And that was it. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, I've always, I've always lived off the philosophy and God's time and not mine. You know, yep. God put you through some hard times. You got to keep saying it's in his time. He knows what's best. Have faith. I had one guy who was on the show. I don't think he's with the Red Sox anymore. His name is Cole Brandon. He said this quote that's, that really stuck out to me. He said, first, you got to trust God. Without him, nothing will happen. Then you got to trust the work that you put in. And then after that, you can trust the rest. You can trust the process that everything will go yep. as yep. planned. And funny enough, I'm actually um, later today, I'm going to interview one of your um the guy who was drafted right ahead of you for the Red Sox, uh, Zach mm-hmm. Fogel. Do you know him? Mm-hmm. Have you guys talked at all? Yes, yes. I played with Fogel uh, in the FCL and in uh, Low A. In the Salem. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes, yes. I'm always around Fogel and the guys, you know, Conley. And, and all of the, the, the pitchers I actually roomed with Conley in, in Low A. And we're all, it was me, Conley, Fogel, and Duffy. And we all uh, lived together in the hotel that week we were in Salem. And, you know, we had we had a great time there. And uh, he's a really good, really good guy. Nice. So exactly how did it feel when you 
saw on the TV or wherever you were watching that your name was being drafted by the Boston Red Sox? Oh man, it's it's a feeling I can't explain. You know, I was at, at that moment I was watching it on my phone, hear heard the radio, and uh, I know I I was at my uncle's house at the time. I was outside, and I I remember I walked inside, and uh, at that point I think my my stream was a little behind on my phone that I was watching, and uh, my sister actually one of her friends texted her and and told her he she that I had got drafted. And then, or she said, you know, he, she got a text and it said, congratulations or something like that. And so she looked at me and she said, did you just get drafted? And I, and I looked at her and I said, I don't know. And as soon as I said that, I looked down and then the, the, the plane went and it said that I had been selected and uh, the emotions just, it was through the roof. It was a, a feeling that I couldn't, couldn't, can't even explain. It was just joy, man. Just joy. Mm-hmm. Dude, and I, I obviously I can't speak for you, but just to be like in such a big market organization like Sox, uh, Dodgers, Yankees, Cubs, like to be drafted by one of those, not necessarily that it would be like more important than being drafted by a small market team, but just the history that those teams bring, yes, and all that, just having that with you while you go through the ranks of the team would be mm-hmm. quite a bit. But after that um, is when I originally messaged you like two months ago or so, two, three months mm-hmm. ago. And you had both you and Zach had the same thing of, yeah, you were getting thrown down into Florida, like yeah, almost was, immediately mm-hmm. when you got to Florida, what was your regular training schedule there while they were getting you ready for rookie ball? And how much did that training differ from when you were in college at A&M? Yeah. So a lot of the training when I first uh, got to Florida uh, everything was tailored to getting us ready to play every single day. That's the biggest difference from college and, and professional was you play every single day and your body has to be in shape to play every single day. I mean, everybody comes in in, in great shape and, uh, you know, well taken care of, especially after a college season, you may have some bumps and bruises, but you still come in ready to play and uh, but then they introduce us to a, a whole a, a different world where, hey, you got to show up, do your running, do your training, do your swinging. And and we we track all of our steps and all of our uh, athletic activity. But then you have to go to sleep and you have to get up and you have to do that same thing every single day. So and you may you have one off day a week in low A. So it's like, hey. You have to get your body conditioned. We have to make sure you're conditioned and you're ready to play every single day so you can be productive in the long term. So I think that was just the biggest difference, you know, coming in and training and running and, and swinging, but then having to endure that that workload every day. And some days uh, ramp up the workload, some days bring it down, but you still have your level of this is the workload that you will experience when you play a game. And we're going to keep hitting that workload every day till you prove, hey, you can handle this workload. Now we're comfortable to put you in games, and then we start. That makes sense. You said you said six days a week. About how many hours a day would you be expected to be in there training? FCL and 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 low A is is different. Um, you know, FCL games start around twelve or um, one o'clock, so we get everything done in the mornings. Uh, but, you know, when you get to affiliate ball, uh, everything you do that day is is 
to get you ready to play at seven o'clock, you know, game, maybe mm-hmm. at seven o'clock, maybe six o'clock. So, um, in affiliate ball, pretty much, man, it's an all day thing. You wake up in the morning and depending player to player, it's your routine. And that, that's what's, that's what's important. So I start my routine early in the morning and everything that I do from when I wake up to when I go to sleep, uh, to game time, pretty much is that that's my day. Damn. No, no rest at all. Just keep going through it, right? You get your rest after the game. <laughs> exactly. You know, you'll get you'll get your rest and you retire. You know, till mm-hmm. till then, foot on the gas. So, in in the span of about three months, from June to the end of September, you played for three very different teams. One, and once again, tell me if my research is wrong. One in Williamsport for summer ball, uh, then the FCL, and then you got upgraded to Salem. How hard was it for you traveling so much and how different was it playing for those three different ball clubs in such little time? Mm-hmm. So started out in June, I went to Williamsport, Pennsylvania, played for the cross cutters. And that was my first kind of introduction to uh, just a pro style season, pro style, the way the team was run and the way the league was run. Um, played every single day there, of course. And, um, that was my first introduction to, I would say, a, a professional style schedule. And, uh, you know, with players all over the the, the U.S. in college, um, you, you get introduced to a, a new teammates and you have to adjust quickly. And, you know, the season is short, but, uh, you know, I have fun there and get drafted and go down to the FCL. Now you're in a total different environment, more uh, – latin players uh more hispanic mm-hmm. players and um you know now i'm learning spanish <laughs> learning <laughs> spanish and, and and trying to play at the same time and um you know have fun down in the fcl and then you get moved up to to low a and you go to salem virginia and it's more latin players but now it's you're with an entire new group of of, of guys so it was just really for me just being able to adjust to to a new group of guys and 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 being able to uh, come into a, a team ready to go and and ready to play my role. Um, I think that was that was the biggest thing that it taught me and the travel, uh, flying. I got used to flying, and flying is short notice. You know, just go mm-hmm. and have my bags ready. I think I've had the same bag packed since June, since Salem, Virginia. <laughs> I mean, since Williamsport, you know, I've been mm-hmm. trucking around the same bag and uh, man, I've just been playing baseball and any, any opportunity I get to keep playing baseball, no matter where, if I, I'll take a flight any day. They tell me to fly right now. I'll go play baseball. Thanks. Dude. And that's, that's awesome. Um, going kind of off of that. And what I said at the beginning um, what was I say? So between those three teams also in the span of three months, I saw that you basically played every position except catcher, right? You, you even played like an inning of first base up in Williamsport and you were mainly a shortstop <laughs> somewhere. You're mainly an outfielder at other places. Do you pride yourself on being like a true versatile, versatile utility player? Or is it just wherever the hell coach tells me to go, I'm going to go play. Man, I pride myself on being a utility player. Um, you know, growing up, I was a shortstop, but I always played outfield, and I've been doing it ever since I was a kid. Man, it it was I had I had my position, which was short, and 
you know, you go to the field one day and the coach say, hey, I need you here. And I say, yes, sir. And, and I go mm-hmm. play there. Or sometimes you'd be in the middle of, I, it'd be times where I used to just be in the middle of a game and, um, you know, something may happen in the game and the coach in the dugout just yells, hey, go to right. And I say, okay. And I run out there with my infield glove, go to right field and, and play right field. And of course, you know, the ball is going to find you. So it was, it was yeah. no hiding. It, it was no hiding wherever I went. So um, kind of learned at a young age that the best way I can use my athletic ability was just move all over the place. And I was never just secluded to one, one area. I know my dad, he, he instilled in me that wherever the team needs you, that's where you're going to go. And, um, he knew how much I loved the infield, and he said, "Yeah, we're gonna work on the infield, but you're gonna be able to play every position on the field. And no matter what, if coach say that we you you are needed in another position, go do it." And starting that from when I was a young age to now, and having the ability to play multiple positions, it's it, it's really good. Mm-hmm. What position would you say you're most comfortable playing, though? Out of all nine, what specific position? <laughs> I get that question a lot, and uh, it's 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 really a tough question because I, I've played, I've started playing a lot, but I would just say up the middle, man. Second is center. Again, I I like shortstop, but up the middle, I would say second second base and center field are my most two comfortable positions. Okay, how hard was the transition? Because now that you've had. Uh, not a ton of time, but a month or so in professional baseball. How hard has the transition from college to baseball been for you? I know you talked a little bit about the summer league mm-hmm. being that first real um, transition for you, but how hard was it? Oh, it's a tough transition. It really is. Um, it's different. Like I said, one one main um, thing to that is playing every single day, and you have to be able to make adjustments fast. and. Uh, you know, you see so many different players, and of course, you transition over to a wood bat. And uh, I mean, the the transition to of uh, the the competition level is, it's it's a it's a transition for everybody, and it mm-hmm. just you just have to pride yourself on your work every single day, show up to work every single day uh, with um, a willing attitude to get better, and know that there's you you're always opportunity and always room to grow in every area of your game. You may, at one point, you may have felt like one area of your game was good or you said, oh, I'm very comfortable with this, and then you get thrown in a pro ball, and it's like, oh, I thought I was comfortable there, and I got, I really got to work on that. So, I mean, you just, with tracking every single thing you do every single day and, and just being holding yourself accountable, that's the, the biggest thing. Okay. Um, what's the plan going um, going to today? What's your plan for the off season? If you could pick one skill of yours to really improve on over the winter, what will it be? It's gonna be bat speed. Bat, bat speed is 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 on the on the top of the list. Uh, and uh, I would say, of course, one one thing is always you can always just get stronger. For me, it's just get stronger in the weight room. I'm gonna pride myself in the weight. Uh, stay in the weight room a lot. Pride myself in my nutrition over the weight room. I mean, over the off season and. Um, hopefully that'll transition into my bat speed and kind of gain some bat speed over the summer. And, uh, we'll see how that, how that plays into the game next year. Now, when you say that, is that more training towards like contact and all that? Or are you training towards like true power hitting? Cause I 
I oh, think I saw from uh, your stats you you're not so much of a power hitter. You're more contact than anything. Mm-hmm. More than no getting doubt. the ball. Con- mm-hmm. Contact is contact is there, and um, every single day, everything you do in a cage, you're, you're going to work on your contact skills. Um, but for me, the biggest thing that I wanted to work on right now is getting stronger and, and being able to withstand a, a professional an entire professional season, and um, um, that'll help with you know durability and. And like I said, just being able to last an entire year. And that starts in the work you put in the offseason. And so that's what I'm proud of myself in the offseason, just get in the weight room, get stronger, get bigger, get faster. And the the work that you put in the cage every single day, it'll translate into the game. Mm-hmm. It's all about the work in the offseason, you know. Everyone can work during the off season. season. But, yep, you, you get – you really figure out who's been putting their time in during the off season. Mm-hmm. Once you get back in, off season is important. It's important. Off mm-hmm. season is very important. Yeah. Uh, so, what's my next question? I had to switch over because my freaking Bluetooth headphone died. Um, <laughs> what's my next question. Okay. So, with the Red Sox, major leagues officially been taken out of playoff contention last week. How do you feel that the Red Sox team did this year? I know they're your employer, so I don't know how much you can say. But in your mm-hmm. honest opinion, how do you think they did this year? Man, every year and every level, every team you go in with a goal, and that goal is to win a World Series. And, uh, you know, being able not to be in the position to win a World Series, I mean, everybody in the organization may be upset or may um, just – be feel it away like man that our goal was to win a world series but in any situation you take the good and then you take the bad and you 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 build a plan and you go to work and like you said like we just said in the last question the off season is important and everybody from the lower level all the way up to the the major level everybody knows what the plan is in the off season what we need to work on what we need to do to to go in next year and accomplish that goal of winning a world series and winning a World Series doesn't just it's, it's doesn't just happen only in Boston. I know they're playing and they're in the, the major league system, but it takes everybody in the organization from the DSL, the FCL, all the way up to Boston. And mm-hmm. when when we don't win a World Series, like I said, everybody everybody is going to be upset because it takes everybody. But yeah. that only just makes you work harder to go into the the next year and and know what the plan is, know what the goal is, and, and just go accomplish it. Mm-hmm. And from what I've talked about in the Red Sox, I mean, with, with this team right now, it's an older team to say the least. You mm-hmm. know, some of your key contributors, Chris Sales, 34, with unfortunately a bunch of injury problems at this point. Justin Turner, who is one of our best hitters, is 38. You know, these guys are on the wrong end of 30, but it's time for this team to really double down on their young guys, you know. Uh, Rafaela is doing good. Meyer hopefully can get up there. Like these prospects that we got to get up to the next Bayo, like those guys to really start to take over. And that's kind of what you said with those guys who aren't on the major leagues is off season. Get, get up there. We, we need you at this point, mm-hmm. you know, gonna take, <laughs> gonna take all 90 guys in the, in the organization, not just the 26 up at the major league level at this point. So, um, like I said before, I want the Red Sox Nation to get to know the personal side of you. So I'm going to give you a lightning round of questions that aren't related to baseball. Some of them are kind of related to baseball. 
But lightning round of questions. You ready? Yep. All right. What What's one of your hobbies outside of baseball? Not sports. Uh, hunting. Hunting and fishing. I love to hunt. I love to fish. It's hunting season now. So <sighs> you ready? I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, what would you be doing if you weren't a baseball player? I'm assuming I know I the answer, have, but. I probably would be a professional hunter or fisher. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say football player. Actually, you know, like I said, I have football in there, but I, my body, the way I, I'm not built to be a football player every single day, man. I, I, I've seen how it is and I see how it, it can tax your body and I'm not built for it, man. But like I say, I'll probably be, I mean, that was just going off. You said lightning, so I was thinking fast. Yep. But I, professional hunter, fisher, probably be up there or I'll probably be somewhere in the sports world, probably like, uh, you know, maybe I've, I've always had an, an interest of being a sports agent or kind of just helping athletes in, in, in their career paths so or probably somewhere in there. All right. Uh, who's your celebrity crush? I have a lot. Um, first one, of course, that come to mind is Beyonce. Always Beyonce. That's a, that's a celebrity crush ever since I was a boy. So. <laughs> Does pineapple belong on pizza? No. No, I don't Wrong like pineapple answer. on a pizza. <laughs> I what's, can what's one, it, but nah. <laughs> what's one thing on your bucket list? One thing on my bucket list is to travel outside of the, the United States. I've never been outside of the United States. I've traveled all around the United States, but I want to go uh, just go outside of the United States at some point. Dude, I'm in the same boat. I've lived basically everywhere from Florida to the mm -hmm. Northeast, Colorado. I live in Denver now. I, I've never been outside the U.S. Yeah. I want to travel outside the U.S. Mm -hmm. too. Uh, where's my next question? What's the best baseball stadium you've played in? Minute Maid Park. I mean, that's the only big league stadium I've played in so far. So Minute Maid, that, that, was, a, that was pretty pretty sick, pretty dope, especially being from Houston. Uh, you you mm -hmm. go to the Astros games a lot, so. Yeah, we'll just wait for that answer to change the Fenway sometime soon. Uh, who's, who's your biggest fan? Uh, my my mom and my dad. They're they're my biggest fan. Oh, my sister. And my family. They're my biggest fans. I'm telling you, they're they're always in it. Are you a Swifty? A Swifty? Yeah, Taylor Swift fan. I guess oh. the answer is no. Oh no, no, I'm not. I I know some of her songs, and I can I can sing some of. But I, I wouldn't consider myself a Swifty. <laughs> Favorite teammate you've had, and where did you play with them? Man, I've had a lot of good teammates. I, I, I've had a lot of good teammates. That's that's a pretty hard question to answer. I'm not even gonna lie to you. All right, but uh, last, oh. yeah, I mean. Yeah, like I said, I, man, I've I've had a lot of good teammates, a lot of bro, a lot of my brothers, man, and I, I love them all to death. So, all right, last lightning round question: Who's the one MLB player you would love to meet? Mookie Betts, easy, easy. I'm a I'm a big Mookie Betts guy, man. If you hear me, I'm talking about Mookie Betts day to night. I'm if you look at my camera roll, I probably have every swing of his his entire season this year screen <laughs> screen recorded. Uh, I, mm -hmm. I know about him, and I, I, I love Mookie Best, man. And uh, one day I'll be up there with him. I, I, I'll get to meet him when I get to the big leagues, man. You know, kind of – and this is this is more talking about the stats on paper than the stats, like, um, than the eye test or anything like that. But looking at your stats, I kind of see more of, like, a Jackie Bradley Jr. in you. 
good fielder, got good, good speed to you. You know, mm-hmm. I, I see more of that than like a Mookie. Who would you um, say you're who you play closest to? Right now, I keep up with baseball a lot, but just say comparison to who I play close to. I mean, right now, I, I mean that's that's that'll be for like you said. If you said Jackie Bradley. I would have to do some research on Jackie Bradley, but um, you know, I always have players that I like to model my game around and. Um, you know, as as boys, you have those role models, and you have those players that you feel like you you fit best, and um, and, and but you always have to just look at yourself and know what you're good at, and um, and and what you can bring to a team. So, of course, you know, I try to say I try to model my game around Mookie Best, but at the you know at the end of the day, it's still what can Stanley Tucker give to the team, and who what yeah. type of player can Stanley Tucker be, and and you know that I mean, yeah, I. Comparisons are good, but at the end of the day, you have to be Stanley Tucker. You can't be Mookie Betts. You can't be Jackie Bradley. So, I understand that. So, uh, just a couple more questions for you. Two of them involve football because I didn't. The one question I did ask you before this interview was, "What was your favorite sport?" Mm-hmm. You said football. How's your fantasy football team doing this year? I'm actually not playing fantasy football this year. Really? I I played fantasy last year and I got. Uh, I probably made the worst trade ever, and it killed an entire do? my entire season. Well, one of my teammates it was a it was a team league, and yep. uh, I can't even remember exactly what the trade was, but it got, we had an earlier trade, and it wasn't terrible. It wasn't terrible. I, I was still still uh, I was still in the in the hunt. wasn't bad, and um, it came down to. I had Cooper Cup on my team. That was my my number one pick, uh, Cooper yep. Cup, and um, uh, it got the week before he got hurt. The week of, I got a trade notification. One of my teammates he wanted to trade me Justin Jefferson for Cooper Cup, and I thought about that trade day and night, and I declined it. I said, "No, nah, man, I'm just gonna keep Cooper, and and we're gonna roll." And I mean, my team name was had Cooper Cup's name in it, so. I was like, I, I gotta keep Cooper Cup's number one pick, and he got hurt that week. And when that happened, I checked out of fantasy. And then when fantasy yeah, rolled around this year, I was like, No, nah, man, I'm good. <laughs> man, I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm I'm low key struggling. I'm one and two to start off this year, but I got Christian McCaffrey on my team, and he scored 48 oh, fantasy man. points after oh, four man. touchdowns. Oh yeah, I mean he, that, that guy right there is, is pretty fun to watch. I tell you that. Oh, absolutely, he's carrying my team right now. Somehow he slid down to the fifth pick. Don't understand how, mm. but people in my league are stupid. But anyway, um, we're gonna put your football knowledge to the test real quick. Okay, Uh-oh. have you been keeping up with football this year? Have you been watching games and all that? <sighs> I've been trying. I've been trying, but I'm a big college football guy. But I can, I can, I may can keep up with the NFL a little bit. Let's see what you got. All right. So what you're gonna be doing is you need to tell me based on QBR who the top three best quarterbacks have been this year and the bottom three have been. Top three, probably number one. I would say Justin Herbert. 
He has to be up there. Justin Herbert is number six. Six? Two two of these guys are like, yeah, they've been playing insanely good. And one of them's just like, your team's good, but I didn't know you were that good. Yep. So is Tua. Tua in there? Tua is number two. Yeah. QBR Tua 79. Tua is number two. Um, Let's see. What Josh Allen. Josh, Josh Allen's Allen number three. He's, He's number 72. Three. The number one He's guy has a QBR. He has a QBR of 84. And I'll give you a hint. He doesn't have to do much because the rest of the team around him stacked. The rest of the team around him is stacked and he doesn't have to do much. I would have thought that was two. Oh, let's well, see. Oh, man. I've really just I, I've hit a blank. Think about the NFC, new quarterback in his second year. Second year, NFC. Uh, wow! I can't believe I just blanked like this. Um, you said second year in the NFL or second year on the team? Second year in the NFL, drafted last year, year very NFL. late pick. Drafted last year, very late pick. And he's number one in QBR. Mm-hmm. I'm stumped. I've I blanked. I, I've hit a blank. I can't even lie to you. Mr. Irrelevant, Brock Purdy. Oh, wow. Brock Purdy. That's just, wow. I can't. Wow. Okay. 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 <laughs> bottom, bottom three. Worst guys in the league. Bottom three. Oh, uh, what's his name? He has to be in there. Uh, Jets quarterback. Uh, Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson. Somehow he's not. He's, he's 27. Not. There's still like six guys. 27. One of them being Joe Burrow, who's bottom five worst quarterbacks right now, which is shocking. Mm, that is shocking. Mm. But it, how much it pains me to say, but Mac Jones. Mac Jones is doing better than Zach Wilson. These these three guys, okay. one's a rookie, one's a second year, okay. and one's a vet who we all know is not that great. Even though he's a starter of his team, he's still not that great. Okay. And you really put my knowledge to the test here. Mm-hmm. Uh, one's a rookie. He only, Well, if he's a rookie, he only played one game. Bryce Young? Bryce Young with, is the worst Bryce QB Young. right now with a QBR of 25, which isn't fair to um, say because he's only he started played like two one games. Game. Yeah, he started. Mm-hmm. He has played two games, one, two, one or two games. Um, let's see. Bryce Young. Um, one of these guys just played in London. Oh. Just, well, I know it's not Trevor Lawrence. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, Who's the quarterback for the Falcons this year? Honestly, I haven't Desmond Ritter. Desmond Ritter. Okay. Yeah. I wouldn't. Have, I He's wouldn't have guessed that one. Not good. I mean, when they were in London, the Falcons only had like five yards of offense in the first half. It was terrible. Wow. And the third, wow. the third guy, a vet in the uh, AFC South. AFC South vet. 
Tell me one team in the AFC South. Uh, four teams in the AFC South are the Titans, Colts, Texans. I knew it. Yeah, yep. yep. I knew that. I was yeah. just wanted to make sure. Um, I probably shouldn't say that out loud. My uncle, he got drafted by the Texans, played four years, so uh, he wouldn't be too happy if he heard that answer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Matt Ryan? Is he still in the league? No, he he was he was with the Colts, but after they drafted uh, AR fifteen, they decided, yeah, no more Matty no, Ice, no more, no more Matty Ice. Um, well, it's not Trevor, it's not CJ Stroud. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep, what's the one other team? And then we just said the Colts. Oh, Tannehill. Tannehill. It's been atrocious this year. Even wow. even after the good the good game they had against the Bengals, which fucked up my parlay because I thought the oh, Bengals man. were going to whoop some ass, but oh, you know, he still hasn't been great. Derrick Henry though, <laughs> never never bet against Der- Derrick Henry is the lesson that needs to be taken. No, don't do that. Me. Nah. All right, last question I got for you. And once again, thanks so much. It's been awesome to have you on. Steal 45 minutes of your time. Mm-hmm. Last question I got, and I asked this to everyone who's been on, from guys who've just been drafted to guys already in the MLB that I've talked to. Mm-hmm. Uh, say there's that kid in high school who's unknown to any colleges who wants to make it to the next level, or the guy who's in junior college who's trying to make it to the MLB. Seeing as you were in their shoes at one point, what advice would you have for that player? One advice I can give to that player is keep your nose clean, keep your head down, and just keep grinding. I mean, if you have that goal to to make to make it to professional baseball and be in the big leagues one day, no matter who you are, you keep your nose clean, you keep grinding, and you take it day by day, man. Um, you know, sometimes you look up and you may see that you may have no road or things look s- slim or COVID canceled your season one day and that was your senior season to – to get a shot, you know, no matter what adversity hits your way or how distant it may seem, is anything is possible. Keep your nose clean, stay down, uh, keep your stay out of trouble, and just continue to just keep grinding. For one, put your put your trust in God, and and just know no matter what you can do, no matter what you put your mind to, you can do it. And it, it takes a lot of work, but don't get discouraged. Keep going, keep grinding, and, and just know that it it can be it can be done. That was beautifully said, man. Especially with what you said about the off the field stuff. It's already mm-hmm. hard enough to make it on the field. You can't mm-hmm. have the off the field stuff distracting you. But with that being said, once again, thanks so much for being on. I'm sure, Pesky Pole Nation, love hearing it. from you. Any last words you want to say to Pesky Pole Nation before we sign off? Uh, any last words? I would say go socks. I mean, I know I this know year it. was this year, but go socks. Stick with us. We're, we're going to be all right. Hey, we ride or die always. No matter if this team's That's the right. worst team That's in the right. league or the best, never waver. Right. So, that being said, to the fans, thank you guys so much for listening or watching to this episode. God bless each and every one of you. I'll see you guys. Next time. I don't want to see you by your father by even though you
time you take it back, your heart has still spin inside your orbit. Yeah. You say that I should probably start to walk away. I'm hoping that you stop and make me have to stay. Cause I'm floating in your orbit. Yeah, I'm stuck in your space. It's my luck. Put me away, you understand. There's nothing left to stay. I don't 